Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, changing a culture one man at a time. At Men of Iron, we equip men and grow godly leaders through creating and sustaining one-to-one and micro-group mentorships. Go to menofiron.org for more info. Thanks for listening. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and act like men. Be mm. strong. Amen. I mean, we're in a culture where they, they're always downplaying masculinity, and they call it toxic masculinity. And you know what? We need biblical masculinity. Amen. That's what we need. To drop your guard, let loose um, of, of expectations of the outside world, and let's talk about some pain. Let's talk about some issues. To be men of faith, we're going to have to take leaps of faith, and sometimes they're going to be irrational and unreasonable, and we're going to have to overcome that that's that quiet voice of indifference inside that says, no, this doesn't make sense. What is up, world? Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast. It's Steve live from the MOI headquarters. We have an awesome episode today. I hope you stay tuned. We got tight end for the New England Patriots, Benjamin Watson, on the show. It's going to be an awesome interview. Episode 38 is brought to you by Brothers of Merit, inspiring men to seek brotherhood through Christ. Check out the amazing work our good friends Taylor and Brandon are up to. You can find the Brothers of Merit podcast at brothersofmerit.com. I am honored and excited to introduce our special guest today for episode 38, Benjamin Watson of the New England Patriots. Benjamin has played 15 seasons in the NFL, and this year will enter his 16th season as a member of the Patriots. Throughout his career, he has actively pursued philanthropy with his wife, Kirsten, starting the One More Foundation, helping people around the world find freedom from physical, emotional, and spiritual bondage. Ben and Kirsten have seven kids, recently introducing twins into the world, Asher and Levi. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an honor to have you. Could you just fill the listeners in, fill the viewers in, just who is Benjamin Watson? <laughs> uh, well, um, I'm the son of Ken and Diana Watson. <laughs> I'm the oldest of six. Uh, I really am, um, you know, just uh, a father um, of seven, as you mentioned before, and uh, have been playing uh, my, my occupation, my day job, I would say, is... is uh, is playing professional football, but really my biggest job, I would say, is uh, being a father and being a husband. And uh, we've been married for going on 14 years in July. Um, and, and really, um, I would say that you know who I am is, is is the core of who I am is is a believer, a Christian, someone who's following Christ, and someone who is daily trying to be more and more like Him. Hmm. I think that's what everything flows out of for me. Awesome, awesome. That's incredible. Well, we're gonna we're gonna hit you with take five, Benjamin, if you're ready. All right, take five, question number one. Can you give us one of your favorite childhood memories? Favorite childhood memories. I was I would say seven years old. Uh, we were living in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, actually. Yeah, seven or six years old, and I remember coming downstairs and getting a new red bike, a new red bike. It was a dirt bike. I wanted a bike really badly for Christmas, and I got the bike that I wanted, and immediately I wanted to ride it. So I go outside with my dad, and we had a, a, a driveway that went to the street, and um, I got on my bike. And my dad was going to show me how to ride the bike, and he said, just pedal straight. So I got on there, started pedaling, and I went straight across the street, 
into a ditch on the other side, flipped <laughs> off my bike, and rolled down the hill. Jeez. Um, but it was a favorite memory because, <laughs> because I got my bike uh, that I wanted, and I loved that bike for a long time, rode it all over the place, all over the neighborhood. <laughs> I'm sure you had a few more bumps and bruises down the way with that bike. I did. I definitely <laughs> did. That's a good story. Awesome. Uh, take five, question number two. You're entering your 16th season in the NFL. Who stands out as one of your favorite teammates? My favorite teammates, um, I would have to say um, Randy Moss was a favorite simply because I was a fan of his. Uh, he's a few years older than me, but, you know, he uh, revolutionized the receiver position and, and he was unstoppable for so many years. And, and when you get guys like that that you're able to play with and be in the same huddle with that you're a fan of, that you really want to ask them for an autograph, uh, that's that's really special. Awesome, awesome. Take five, question number three, Benjamin. Is your wife Kirsten, she a superhero? That's the question because, what, twin, you just had twin boys, is that correct? Yes, yeah, so just twin, had twin boys. Just, uh, so now seven kids. Uh, how, how does she do it? That's that's what we want to know. I have no, <laughs> it, it was, you know, it was one of the most, um, if you've ever been through childbirth and you you witnessed childbirth, you really can't explain it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is one of those things that is amazing. And to have two babies delivered, and uh, they were identical twins. And awesome. um, they were uh, 5'10 and 6'15, 6 pounds, 15 ounces. Mm-hmm. So they're good sized twins. And they didn't have to go to the NICU. They were healthy. We were able to come home. Amen. They're actually downstairs sleeping right now. I'm, I'm, I'm on daddy duty with just them right now. So, Love it. Um, uh, they are doing well though but i don't know how she does it she definitely keeps our house together <laughs> i think yeah i think i think our wives and women they are definitely superheroes that's awesome i love them congrats on the twins no doubt take four uh mm-hmm. take five question number four you recently won i think it was in 2018 the prestigious bart star award and you i know you've been a finalist for the peyton manning of the year award and you are a super bowl champion as well what as you look back on your career what's one of your like greatest career achievements Um, you know, um, I, I've been fortunate in my career and, um, it hasn't been everything that I wanted it to be. I don't think they ever are. There's so many things out there that, uh, I, I wish I could have accomplished or, you know, things that, you know, I mean, obviously everybody wants to win everything, wants to be an all-star, wants to do all those things every single year. That's why we play. Uh, but, but I would say that probably the things I remember most and what I probably would consider my biggest accomplishments were the times in the locker room with other players, other young men, and the conversations that I've had, the way that the Lord has allowed me to uh, encourage uh, young men in their in their role as you know teammates, as, as younger players, but also in their roles outside of the locker room when it comes to how they lead the families. Hmm. And um, I, I, I think that that's probably you know, my biggest accomplishment is being able to years down the line see a young man and say, man, that conversation that we had a couple of years ago, well, here's my wife and here are my kids. And, and those, time, those times are very affirming for me. That's incredible. That's awesome. I love it. Question number five, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? My father would always say, uh, whatever you do, um, be the best at it, give 100%, uh, whatever it is. He would always joke and say, hey, if you're going to be a bank robber, be the best bank robber. 
you know, he obviously didn't want to be bank robbers, but but his point was that, hey, whatever you do, whatever you put your mind to, whatever you're going to devote your time and your efforts to, he wanted us to be people that gave gave our all, mm-hmm. no matter what it was, yeah. to always give effort um, and to always be committed to finishing things. He, he never, him and my mom never wanted us to quit. Uh, that was not in our vocabulary. Uh, we always try to finish and stick things through to the end. And so uh, I think that advice, that just establishing that idea of hard work and the idea of, um, of commitment and perseverance and all those things, uh, given 100%, um, not, not, you know, for men, not for yourself, but for the Lord, that, that's something that they pounded and that they talked about all the time because they knew that that would carry us uh, very far in life. Well, I think you're, you know, just from afar, I think you're certainly living up to your dad's advice off the field and on the field. So I applaud you for that, Benjamin. Yeah, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to kind of hear, you know, I know you grew up, grew up in the church, grew up a, a pastor's kid. I'd love to kind of hear about your, your salvation moment and, and when you really kind of grabbed hold of, of that relationship with Jesus and just kind of surrendered it all to him as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, I did grow up in in uh, what people call Christian. I had two parents that were Christians. They were believers um, from my earliest recollection of them. And so uh, they taught uh, my, my siblings and I about uh, the Lord from an early early stage. I remember being in church, being in vacation Bible school, hearing um, you know the word at home, praying together as a family. Um, they, they demonstrated the Christian life to me in a way that was uh, – um, well, wasn't perfect, obviously, all the time, but a way that where I could see it in a tangible way in their, in their relationship with each other, as well as in their relationship with people in the community. And so, um, but one thing we always knew <clears throat> from the very beginning was that um, becoming a, a Christian was something that was a personal decision and something that we all would have to do on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was there was no. Um, you can't be grandfathered in. There's not a legacy clause. Uh, you can't go. You can't be a believer just because your parents are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, this is not something that um, you just inherit. And, and, and I remember hearing that very early on. I was probably very young, around five or six years old, and I, I would have a lot of questions about afterlife and about death. I'm the oldest of six, um, and, and I, I would have these questions. And, and I remember one night my father uh, sharing with me John three fifteen, a verse that I, I knew. Um, but he said to me, Benjamin, do you know what happened to you when you died? And I was asking these questions about death, very inquisitive. And I kind of, I knew about heaven and hell. I'd been to church. I knew all those things, but I didn't know for myself. And he showed me John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish our everlasting life. And at about five or six years old is when I first passed from death into the life. That's hmm. when I first repented of my sins and my faith and trust in awesome. what Jesus did for me on the cross as far as paying for my, my sin debt and making me right with God. And I obviously didn't understand everything. Um, it's just been a maturation process, a growing process that we all go through physically as well as spiritually over the course of my life. But I point to that time in my life when I truly um, understood the, the basics of repentance and faith, and, and that's when um, I became a, a Christian. It's hmm. awesome. You know, Benjamin, your heart, your heart and passion for for justice and people, and and ultimately the welfare of others. You know, it obviously didn't just happen overnight. And and your parents, I think, played a big role in in embedding these values in you. Um, and ha- and how did they do that in an at an early age? And do you have any like early memories of that as a, as a kid or a young adult where these where these values, this idea of 
it's not just about me and self, but it's about, you know, loving God and loving others. Do you just have any early memories of, of just those values being embedded in you as a kid or a young adult? Yeah. Um, you know, my, my, my parents, we were always involved with, um, again, a lot came through church, but also just different ministries that my parents were involved with. I remember, um, hosting missionaries who would, uh, you know, either be domestic in the United States or they'd be overseas and, and hearing their stories about how they were, um, providing physically, um, for the people group that they were with, but also providing for them spiritually. Um, I, 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 you know, remember hearing conversations of, with my dad and people that may stop by the house about, you know, current events. Uh, we weren't immune in our house to what was going on mm-hmm. in the world around us. Um, from a ethnic racial standpoint, from a poverty or educational standpoint, uh, we were, I, I want to say that we were, we were fairly aware of, of the issues as much as a child could be. My parents didn't hide anything from us, but we always looked at it from the perspective of, let's meet people's needs how we can, um, where we can, but let's also always offer them um, something that will last forever. Hmm. And so while our goal was to have, um, you know, a dental clinic or in a neighborhood or to do some sort of coat drive or um, to have like a computer lab or something where kids from the neighborhood could come and do things like that, there was always a spiritual component um, to it where it was, Yes, we want you to live a better life, but we also want you to meet the bread of life, and we want you to have eternal life. Hmm. Um, and so, for me, it kind of went hand in hand with with how I grew up, but also just being a believer and looking through Scripture and seeing how the Lord, how Jesus met people's needs. And so, um, I knew that you know, whenever I got married, and, and my wife had a similar. You know, upbringing as far as wanting to help people, I knew that that would, would be part of what we do, and that's mm-hmm. something that we want to pass on to our kids. We want them to understand the importance of being a blessing to other people. Hmm. That's so good. You know, social justice is, is kind of a phrase we hear a lot of today. Um, how, how would you define social justice? Um, you know, I I, um, I hesitate to use that term a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it, it describes so many things, per, we know what that means when we say social justice. We know what it means in, in our context right now, during this time. Um, but but for me, the idea is simply justice, and yeah. the idea of justice is um, correcting really a world as much as we can, a world that is that is damaged by sin, so a world that is damaged by pride, by greed, by lust, by hatred, by racism, um, by injustice, um, by, by fear, by violence, um, you know, all those things that we kind of put under the social justice realm to me is simply justice and being someone or being a group of people as believers who stand for justice. Mm. You know, the, the, the idea there is that there is, there's a need for, um, redemption Mm. and we look ultimately to the cross for redemption. Um, but we also understand that, you know, in the context that we live as, as Americans, um, in this society, whatever society you're in, that there are inequities that, that, that need to be, that need to be addressed. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't use that term as much because I always want my, my, um, my lens to, to, to be for justice, to be coming from scripture. Yep. And, uh, there's a verse in 
the book of Jeremiah, chapter chapter nine, um, I believe verse 24, 25, that talks about God being a God of kindness, of justice, and of righteousness. And that word justice and righteousness show up so many times together in Scripture um, that they're hard to separate. That really their, their biblical meaning is, is very similar. Um, you know, justice and righteousness, they kind of go together. And so um, while I am an advocate for, for what, you know, people will call social justice right. in, in a in a secular context, uh, and they overlap many times. I always want my my first view of justice to be um, uh, biblical, and and then from that, I can get involved in so many of the other things, and maybe not some of the other things that fall under a, a contemporary social justice um, umbrella. Yeah, we look kind of you know we look at the at this through a lens of the Bible, like you said, and, and we see that Jesus cared deeply about the social causes around him. Do you think, from from your vantage point, your opinion, do you think the big C church uh, is doing enough to, to be on the front lines of justice and to, um, and to helping, you know, those big issues, you know, like abortion and, and immigration and, and, and race? Do you think the big C church is, is doing enough on the front lines? I'm sorry, you said the big what church? I'm sorry, the big, the church. I just said the big C church. Oh, Big C. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay, I heard the, the Big C church. Um, so I think they're doing enough. Um, I, I, I don't know. I know that there are specific churches that are that yeah. are doing plenty. I know other churches aren't. Yep. I, I think that there is a. Um, um, there's a, We have to be careful because ultimately, you know, the church is the body of Christ. The building, the organization of a church, is is a, a place where the church gathers. Um, for edification, for encouragement, for prophecy, for all those things that the, the body does for each other, for providing for each other's needs within the body, first of all. And so that, that's the mission of the church. Also, obviously, the church is there for, for instruction in, in righteousness, uh, like in Timothy talks about, Second Timothy, and talking about um, you know, teaching Scripture to the believers, mm-hmm. um, prayer. Those are things that the church is involved with, but also we can't fully separate the church from the building from being where it is and the issues that are surrounding it. Um, and so, you know, as, as people were finite and we only have a certain amount of hours of the day. Yeah. Now I truly believe that we can do both, but the temptation I think is to be too heavy on one side or the other. Mm. Um, what I mean by that is to have a church that is so outwardly focused, that it's so focused on immigration, abortion, um, you mentioned those two, poverty, education, mm-hmm. voting, racism, that the church, the people within the church are not being instructed in righteousness mm-hmm. and in Scripture as they need to be. Or you can have a church that is so inwardly focused that they never get out of the huddle. Yep. Um, the beautiful thing about football, I think, in an analogy, is that we're in the huddle, then we get out of the huddle, and we affect change on the defense. If you're on offense, you try to uh, move the ball down the field and execute the play and and do what you've been instructed to do while in the huddle. Um, but you never forsake the huddle simply to go on the field or else it would be chaos, but you also don't stay in the huddle forever because then you will not engage with people that need to hear the word of God when you get out of the huddle. Hmm. Um, and, and so I, I, I think that some churches are doing well. I think that some are. I think that each church is in an individual situation and, and, and the leaders of that church um, have to understand that in different seasons of their leadership, 
the church may move in different ways, but the church always has to be, always has to be rooted in scripture, rooted in the gospel, because that is their primary function um, as, as, as a church. Hmm. That's so good. With, uh, you know, with all this, you know, going on in the world and so much evil and, and it, there's so many issues, you know, we talked about, you know, poverty and abortion and, and, you know, education, immigration. Some, I think sometimes as, as Christians and as individuals, we can almost feel overwhelmed, like we don't know, you know, where to, where to even start to, to help. What would you give to that, to that person that, that wants to do something, but they, they're not necessarily sure where to, to, where to even begin to, to help bring about change? That's kind of, that was kind of the idea with us and our foundation, and was we we were one of them, and we ran into a lot of people who want to do something that they don't know where to turn, and we wanted to provide opportunities for people to get involved in their local communities through events or through partnerships with other um, organizations that are involved with whatever their desire it may be, from hunger to um, you know clothing and shelter or housing or whatever it may be. Um, because so many people want to be involved, like you said, but they just don't don't know where to start and they feel helpless. Mm. But if we can start with one person, and if we can start with encouraging one person or doing something kind to one person, it's amazing how those things multiply. Yep. Um, so, I, what I would say is, um, it's, it's really it's to really ask God to provide opportunities for you to get involved, mm. and you have to be able to decipher what's for you and what's not for you. Um, as an athlete, there are a lot of opportunities to do good things. People come to me all the time and other athletes and other people in general all the time with an opportunity to get involved with cancer or to get involved with um, children overseas or whatever it may be. And you have to understand and figure out what, where has God equipped you? What are your desires? Where are you most effective? And then be able, and then I allow you to weed out a lot of other things. So for me, I mentioned that verse in Jeremiah, and you know the verse starts off talking about humility, but then it ends up talking about God being God of kindness, justice, and righteousness. And so those are things that I'm try I try to filter my opportunities through. So it's not that you know um, caring for this one issue isn't important, but if it doesn't fit into where I feel God is leading me to be involved right now then I don't have time for it right now. Mm -hmm. So number one, um, you can make a difference. Start with one person. Number two, ask God as you're reading scripture, what are the desires that he puts on your heart? When you listen to these current events, when you watch TV, when you read the news on, on Twitter, whatever it may be, what tugs at your heart? What are some things that you can get involved with? What, what, what's your skill set? Where has, where has God led you occupationally? And where has he given you um, a sphere of influence. Maybe it's in business, maybe it's in medicine, uh, maybe it's in athletics, uh, maybe it's in government, whatever it is, where has he put you um, and then use that to serve the kingdom and that to happen. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Use your, look at, look at your, your gift set and, and start there. And, and I always remember a, a phrase from, from one of my pastors. He said, your ministry is wherever you are. Um, so I like that a lot. You can, yeah. I mean, you can impact Very change true. wherever you are, whatever your circle of influence is. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, the One yeah, More Foundation? Exactly. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about the One More Foundation? And you mentioned it a little bit of, of why you guys started it and, and what you guys are currently up to today. 
Yeah, well, currently, you know, we started in 2009 just with a couple events that we were doing. We lived in Boston. We do an event around Christmas time. We did one around Thanksgiving, beginning of the season. Most of them were uh, about partnering with a organization that um, that would service, uh, you know, people who maybe were sexually abused or, or families who were sexually abused, and, and providing the you know, food, clothing, shelter for those for the people. We expanded into now. We do a lot with. Um, sex trafficking during this time. And so we uh, support organizations um, such as International Justice Mission um, in their effort to combat sex trafficking. And we have taken uh, a couple of trips uh, overseas, but also have, have served some, some organizations domestically uh, through our time, but also through our treasure um, as far as saving one more child. The idea of one more is doing something for one person, one more child from being exploited or being abused. Um, and so that's kind of what we're focused on, on currently. And really the, the idea was, like I said before, was to establish a, a 501c3 where people could donate of their time or their talent. But also as we started having children, which we didn't know we were going to have seven at the time, um, <laughs> we wanted to have something that they could be involved with and mm -hmm. see us do these things on a larger scale so that that would be this idea of, of – um, of service and loving people will be embedded in them as they got older. Hmm. That's so good. You guys are doing some incredible work. Just kind of just checking out the website and, and digging in a little bit to more of who you are and, and what you're up to. It's just, it's awesome to see. Uh, as you, as you kind of talk about family and, and being a father to seven, you know, obviously here, what we do at men of iron, we're all about helping men become, you know, the best husband and father and, and spiritual leader they can be. What, what advice would you give to that man out there? Uh, just along the lines of stepping up and being that spiritual leader that of the, of the home and, and being that protector and provider for his family, a guy that's struggling to kind of step into that role and be the man that God created him to be? Well, I, I'll say that, you know, you, you, you can't be the man that you desire to be or that God created you to be until you connect to the source. Um, and even once you're connected to the source, you're not going to be perfect. But to try to do things in your own power um, is really a lie from Satan. And, and one way that he keeps us as men separated from our destiny and what we're supposed to do. He'll lie to us and say that we have to do it by ourselves. Oh, and he'll say that simply because of what's happened in your past, uh, whether from a relationship or from a failed relationship, or maybe you weren't the dad you were before, maybe you didn't have a father, he'll say that, you know, you can't be that because of X, Y, and Z, um, when that's not true because we serve a God that can redeem anything that's happened in your past and make you a new creation. And so the first thing is you, you do have what it takes, but you have to be plugged into the source. Um, and, and, and the number one thing is to strengthen yourself first, and then you are able to lead the way that, you want to leave. Um, so many people have um, lofty goals, but they themselves aren't plugged in, and so it's hard to give and pour out when you aren't plugged in yourself. We, we, we as fathers are, are are called to be, you know, protectors, as you mentioned, providers. Um, I believe we're also called to be um, you know, prophets, so to speak. You know, speaking um, and leading our, our family spiritually, and also kind of like a priest going before God for our family, praying for our family, um, um, I guess, uh, uh, on their behalf, interceding for them on their behalf. Those are all roles, roles and fathers. So 
to, to the guy who's, who wants to do those things, I just say you can. Hmm. You can. Um, no matter what the world is telling you that you can't do, you can. And not only can you, but we need you. Your family needs you, but collectively we need men because when you look at the social ills that we deal with, you know, we talk about social justice and, and you know, that term. But when you look at social ills, many of them are tied directly to fathers not being uh, the men and the husbands that uh, they need to be. That's such a good word. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's kind of just what we've been talking about this whole podcast. It's, there's, you know, we talk about being that man that you were called to be and even stepping out and, and helping affect change in the world by getting involved in some of these uh, these causes. It's all about action, I think. It's all about stepping out and taking action. We can we can desire and want all we want, but if we don't take that one step forward and, and, and uh, put it into action, we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Well, Benjamin, I appreciate uh, you being on here and, and just uh, giving us some time today to talk. It was an honor to have you. How can uh, how can people find out more about the One More Foundation and, and what you and your wife are up to? Yeah, well, you know, it's the age of social media, so there's always Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> uh, but our website is watsononemore.org, watsononemore.org, or my website, me and my wife's website actually is um, – the Watson Seven, the Watson Seven dot uh, com. Seven is spelled out S E V E N dot uh, com, and, and there's links there that show uh, you know about the foundation, but also just some some uh, writing and and other things just about what we're doing, speaking engagements, things that we're up to. Awesome, and we'll have all these links available to the listeners out there and the viewers. And you can also find Benjamin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Benjamin S Watson. Well, we appreciate your time, Benjamin, and uh, we'll be rooting you on. I'm an Eagles fan, though, so I don't know if I can be rooting you on this year as a, as a Patriot. Well, Patriots are in the AFC, and <laughs> so you can still – and if you still can't root for them, you can just root for me. That's fine. Right. I'm an aunt. I'll be it's cheering good. for you. Us, us Eagle fans – Us Eagle fans don't do well at, at uh, rooting for anybody else other than Eagles. Well, I mean, if you don't want to root for a Christian brother, that's on you, man. Hey, I'll be hey, I'll be cheering, I'll be cheering you on, man. I can't, I can't wait to see what you do in a Patriots uniform. I'll, I'll even get you on my fantasy team. How about that? <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for the interview. Awesome, man. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you to our special guest, Benjamin Watson, today from the New England Patriots. What an awesome, awesome interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. For more info on the Men of Iron podcast, go to menofiron.org backslash podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you stream your podcast. You can also find the video, ver- the video version on Facebook or YouTube. Thank you again to Benjamin Watson and our sponsor today, Brothers of Merit. Go to brothersofmerit.com to catch the Brothers of Merit podcast. Love you guys. Thank you again, guys. Episode 38, we're out.